This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for... It's not just another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast, because it's uh, it's a special episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast. Um, so if you have listened to the pod over the last few weeks, if you've read uh, the Knicks Film School newsletter over the last few weeks, you'll know that I was offering people a chance to... Um, essentially buy a spot on this pod uh, by making a $30 donation to Higher Heights for America, which is an organization that um, you heard their CEO on here last week, Linda Carr, talk about what they do, basically trying to get black women in America more involved in politics in every way, shape and form. And I, um, you know, I knew I wanted to do something to kind of seize the moment that we are currently living in and uh, did a lot of thinking about what that could be. And ultimately, I, I felt like this was the thing that spoke most to me about, you know, how we could impact change. Um, when I thought of this idea, I did so with a lot of trepidation, um, specifically two things. One, I didn't think that anybody would want to pay $30 to appear on this podcast. Um, and I, I know I set a goal of $500, which I thought was probably ambitious, but, um, you know, shoot for the, shoot for the stars. Um, and the second thing was I was honestly a little fearful about whether or not the conversations would be things that, you, uh, my listeners would want to listen to, because as much as I recognize the fact that it's a, you know, I think it's a noble pursuit to try to raise money, you know, with a fundraiser. Um, I also understand that this is a, you know, this is a pastime for a lot of you and you, you guys, you know, put your headphones in and you, I don't know, want to be, you know, engulfed in a certain caliber of Nick's talk, which it seems that we provide here week in and week out, which I am thankful that you guys think that. Um, that said, neither of these fears ended up coming to fruition. Uh, first and foremost, people came through in a massive way. I need to do one more check on the totals, but I believe because people were giving amounts over and above what I asked for, um, I'm actually going to be able to raise over $650 for, um, on these pots or through this pot. Um, 
And the the second thing, and I I said pods because I'm actually going to be splitting these into two pods. So this is going to be episode one. Um, episode two, I believe, is going to drop tomorrow. Um, the conversations were great. And I'm, I should say I'm not through with them yet. I have, uh, I believe, three left to go. But everybody I've talked to thus far, you know, it's been I, I can say genuinely, I think you are going to enjoy listening to the conversations that I had with folks as much as I enjoyed having them. Um, they're all unique. Um, you know, obviously we touch on Tibbs uh, in, I think, almost all of them, but a lot of unique perspective, really great conversation, high level conversation, um, you know, proving once again that Nick fans are the most intelligent fans of any team in sports. And I don't doubt that for a second. Um, so I think you're you're going to have a really good time. So, yeah, uh, the conversations I originally, you know, intended for them to be five minutes each, they run on average probably closer to about 10 minutes each. But again, it was worth it. So um, I hope you enjoy the episode and uh, I hope you enjoy the second half of it, which, again, will come out tomorrow. Um, and um, yeah, I think it's kind of it's I don't know. I grew up like a lot of you probably. uh my dream job would was always the idea of like being Mike Francesa and getting to talk sports all day long with people who called in. So I don't know, maybe there's a, a fittingness to the fact that this podcast took place the weekend after, um, you know, Francesa hung it up allegedly for good. We'll see. We'll see if he actually does it. But um, yeah, in any case, um, without further ado, um, enjoy this very special episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. All right, with us on the pod right now, uh, he is a longtime Knicks fan, former um, blogger at Knicker Blogger. Um, he is also a professor of the University of South Carolina, David Crockett. David, this is, I feel like this has been a long time coming. We've talked about the Knicks for I, how long on Twitter now? you are I feel like you're one of my first followers, actually. I, it's been a long time. And I, you know, I'm, I've gotten to the age where I hesitate to say the number of years out loud. <laughs> That's, uh, I'm not that far behind. We don't have to say anything. Right. Um, cause, but it's coming. Yeah. No, I, uh, goodness. It's, <laughs> it's not how I wanted to start off my Friday morning with that thought, but that's okay. <laughs> I, I forgive you. Um, so th- there are a thousand different things that we could touch on based on our, our offline conversations, but we want to keep it. Um, oh God, what's the right word? Let's keep it entertaining for the folks at home. Um, so. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> so, Although I think there's probably a different podcast that we could do for another day in another venue that would, would touch on some other other issues. Um, hey, so, man, anytime. Yeah, right. Um, so I, I shot you over the, the couple of tweets that uh, Clarence Gaines, former, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Phil Jackson Yoda, I call him the Yoda of, of basketball, mm-hmm. s- sent me about Tibbs and is he a transformational leader or a transactional leader? And, you know, how's that mm-hmm. going to work out? Like you craft minds for a living, older minds than I craft. So I have an opinion on this as a mm-hmm. teacher, but I'm sure you have probably a more valid one. So what, what thoughts do you have? Oh, on hardly. Well, I'm, I'm curious because I'm sure you've, you've thought about stuff like this before, how mm-hmm. you 
how you get buy-in from your students and, you know, coaching a basketball right. team is not, not that different. So what, what, what do you think about, about this? Well, you know, it, it's funny, you know, I, I read through it and, um, and like you, you know, whenever, whenever Clarence sends something out, um, I, you know, I try to read it. Uh, you know, it's always something worth considering, um, even where you disagree. And that is, you know, that's, all, that's the mark of an intellect um, where, even when I think you're dead wrong, I have to consider what you say. Yeah. And I have to make sure that what I'm thinking is, is right and lined up. Um, so that's a, that little wind up is to say, I'm not sure I quite agree with the kind of um, putting those things at opposite ends of a, con- of a continuum. Um, it's a great way to put it. But the notion about about Tibbs, and, and I think this is this is crucial actually in this moment because presumably we're we're getting close to to making a call. We, as in the royal we, um, this nation <laughs> here is going to have a new coach um, here momentarily. <laughs> I presume you would so, think so. Yes. You know. So here's the thing, right? You, we hope so. Um, transformation is is the critical thing here, right? And I think everyone, you know, even the most loyal of Knicks fans and the most Pollyanna of us would say that, you know, the organization is, is in dire need of transformation. What I would, my, my response to that though, is that I don't think it's a trait of individuals. Um, I think people may bring things to the table that can help or hinder. And usually it's some of both. Um, I think moments are transformational. Oh, okay. Um, and and that is a that's a really critical difference. Um, moments of transformation. I'm going to pre-apologize for my dog barking here momentarily. I, I can't I even hear it, but I I love sound effects on the oh, pod, it's, so it's it's all good. It is. It, <laughs> it's that's it's a slow buildup. So, um, you know, in terms of what ha- what you need um, to transform, I mean, that's it's not a recipe, but there are moments in any organization or any industry where certain kinds of factors have to line up for real transformation to occur. Um, I will give you, to me, the the best example of this, of of how a guy has all the traits you could want but has never been able to experience transformation is D'Antoni. That's a good good call. two, Two moments in his career, right, where fate just up and messed him up. Um, Robert Ory hip checks Steve Nash into the second row. Um, and then and Chris Paul goes out Chris with the injury. Paul's, right, right. His hamstrings blow up. Um, you know, if those two things don't happen and they continue on the course that they were headed on, you know, we might be building statues to Mike D'Antoni because he was already an innovator. Well, you could even throw in, and I know this is probably a, a sore spot for a lot of Nick fans, but you could throw in what would have happened if, and I wrote about this this summer in what seemed like a crazy mm-hmm. what if, but maybe not. What if they went with Lynn and attempted to move Mello for some kind of ma- massive package in the summer of right. 2012, which, you know, I mean, I know, I know Lynn was beset by injuries, but no, he, he, I think definitely qualifies as someone who's more the transformational type because he definitely focuses on a larger vision. He has his vision and he, that's what he focuses on. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's charismatic, but I think more than anything, Dan Tony tries to be proactive in trying to see like, okay, how can I kind of get ahead of the curve? And I think, I think people like playing for him because mm-hmm. 
they feel like he's in it for them as opposed to he's just in it to win games, which is kind of a, that's the thing that got me when I was thinking about this, because like mm-hmm. if you're in it for yourself, which is, I guess, the transactional leader thing, like what are you what are you doing as a coach? You're trying to win games. Well, theoretically, if you're trying to win games, that benefits everybody. But I think that's maybe where. There's this interesting dichotomy now because I think players these days, I hate saying that term, but players as they Mm -hmm. as we move along, like they want you to help them craft their career and like their brand and they're the whole thing. And I I don't Mm -hmm. that's what really got me. And I don't know where I stand on that because Tibbs is definitely old school when it comes to that. And I feel like a guy like Kenny Atkinson might be newer school, but I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not mm-hmm. even sure. Well, you know, I think this is an interesting moment between, well, particularly between those two candidates, right? And, and let me just say at the outset, I would not arch an eyebrow over either of those hires. Nor would I. Um, I have heard a lot, of the, a lot of the talk, and I think, you know, it's one of those, we are at a moment where we have enough data now. This is not really about what the data says. Um, you, my advisor used to always say, the data cannot speak for itself, right? You have to speak for data. Yeah. And we, are, we have long since sort of arrived at the moment where people have made their priors clear. People have made kind of how they weight certain things clear. And that may lead you to one candidate over the other. And I think I'm, I'm generally fine with that. I, there's not so much of a huge difference to me that, I, that one seems clearly superior to me. Although they what are very different. Though, uh, I, I should really note that. And that's yeah. sort of the point, right? Right. And that's kind of like, do you like chocolate ice cream or do you <laughs> like, you know, vanilla, right? Like that, I mean, we've kind of, we've arrived at that point, right? And it's, you know, you either like one or you like the other, and that doesn't mean that the other one is terrible, right? Um, <clears throat> and that's fine. But I think kind of when, you, when you're thinking about this issue of can you be transformational, and the reason I say this is not a feature of the coach, it's a feature of all these things put together. And then there's just some random error term, right? And that's, that's why I brought up D'Antoni. Because if you look at a guy who you're talking about, innovative, um, relational, like people seem to like him, um, you know, both on the management side and player side, he's been in organizations that I felt like enhanced his strengths and minimized his weaknesses. All of those things have to come together for transformation to occur. Right. Like those are your necessary conditions, but they are necessary, but not sufficient conditions. Right. Sometimes things just got to go your way. And for him at crucial moments, they just didn't go his way. But that doesn't make him a better or worse coach. He's the same coach. Oh, and the best you can do when you make these calls is to pick the guy that you think when you when the when the tide turns and the things things fall in place for you that you're ready to pounce on. That's it. And, you know, I, I did a podcast last week with George call. I mean, George call went and won, mm-hmm. you know, 50 games at, at whatever, three different locations, the things never right. came together for him. Now I do think at some point mm-hmm. you can look towards, well, when the, when the chips are in, in the middle of the table, is this guy pushing mm-hmm. the wrong buttons? I actually don't think D'Antoni, right. I, I think D'Antoni did everything he could possibly do. The thing that I'm interested mm-hmm. with, with, this and you know we could finish up here is with the Knicks the Knicks need to transform themselves I don't think anybody would question that there there needs to be a transformation within that organization and I'm almost wondering if a more transaction oriented person 
like Tibbs mm-hmm. is, and, and Clarence mm-hmm. was kind of implying this in the last thing he said, is what is needed. Mm-hmm. Is it does there need to be a little bit more of that taskmaster approach to get everybody in line, so to speak, right, um, right. which I think I, I personally think that is what needs to happen first and foremost, because I don't think I, I, there has been a season since, I guess, 2012, mm-hmm. 13, where everybody's gotten in line. So mm-hmm. that's fair. I, you know what? I, and this is part of why I wasn't crazy about kind of pitting those two things against each other, the transaction versus transformational. Um, I think that there are and this is just kind of leadership generally. You know, you take a roster of 12 to 15 people and different folks will need different things. And then kind of in the aggregate, folks are at a particular stage of their career. Right. This is the stage of career where you do need development, however you define that. And there are ways to look at Kenny and say he's the guy for that. There are ways to look at Tibbs and say he's the guy for that. Um, But I do think some notion of kind of discipline which is not about yelling at people, right? It's about kind of having systems of accountability in place. And, you know, I think Fizz said all the right things, right? And this is kind of why you never know, right? He, he was great I, at know, saying the right things. He was great at that, right? And, but, you know, but the thing is too, I would say is that you weren't getting a lot of pushback on that in, in the league and not a lot of silence either. You know, so a lot of people felt like, what he was saying was 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 spot on and that he was the guy to deliver it. And sometimes, you know, you won't know until you get there. You won't know until the bullets start flying um, what you really have. And that's, you know, that's just sort of, that's the gamble that you take. Um, you know, the best you can do is put a decent process together. And I will say, for the record, I thought the process that led to Fizz, it seemed reasonable to me. Um, sometimes you get the wrong guy and that's just, that's the way it goes. I wish it would go a different way for the Knicks sometimes because it sure seems like it doesn't. You know, I can't believe I'm about to say this, but you, you were talking about like, uh, turn, what's the phrase? It turns on a trifle um, with with yeah. D'Antoni. You know, Fisdale at the beginning of the season, you know, we had a four-point loss to Brooklyn. There was the mm-hmm. two-point loss to Boston. There was the... You know, um, there were another couple of, oh yeah, one point loss to Charlotte. My God, I covered that game. That was mm-hmm. on that three at the end. Um, there were a couple mm-hmm. other close ones, another close loss to, to Brooklyn. Like, uh, yes, as a coach, you are what your record says you are, but, uh, hearing you talk mm-hmm. about this and hearing and thinking about what needs to go right for an organization to make that transformation, you know, you you need to get a little lucky and you wonder if he had gotten a couple of those extra wins and maybe gotten a little bit longer. And I know Mike Miller did great and I, I'm a fan of Mike Miller, but mm-hmm. coach, I, I, here, here's the, here's what I'm coming out of this thinking. Coaching mm-hmm. is so tenuous and the, the, the circumstances needed to be successful are so tenuous that yes, you can be a good coach and a bad coach, but there are circumstances where you, you need probably more than a little bit of luck to be successful. And I don't know. I, I hope that's not the case mm-hmm. next season with the Knicks because I'm I'm tired of relying on luck because luck never shines our way. But, <laughs> right. Uh, um, right. Uh, yeah. I, uh, on that note, um, I, I just mm-hmm. decided I'm gonna since you're the first one of the the guests to do these these spots, I'm gonna ask everyone the same question. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. What? Give me a prediction. How many How many games do the Knicks win next season? No caveats. No nothing. Just give me a number. Gosh. I mean. 
I'll give you a number, but what I'll say is it's so hard because we just don't know what the roster is. That's exactly be. why I'm I would asking say, you. Right? Um, so I'm going to say, uh, we'll say 30. I just okay. think it's hard to make monumental leaps okay. um, in the NBA almost no matter what you do with the roster. That's fair. Um, David, before we get out of here, uh, anything you want to plug, promote, or, or say for posterity's sake? Sure. Um, so right now I am doing uh, work in my community with, um, it's called a, a community bond fund or bail fund. Um, there is probably one in the community where you are. Um, so I would encourage everyone to um, search on the National Bail Fund Network. Um, this is a moment where um, we need to get people out. Um, there's just too much going on, um, you know, between COVID um, and a variety of other things. Um, we need as few people behind bars as as humanly possible. So if, if you have the opportunity to be involved, um, to give, um, look up a local bail fund in your area um, and please contribute if you can. I am happy you said that. Um, I, I <laughs> like many people, uh, don't know what the answer is, but I know locking more people yeah. up ain't it. Um, we can do Amen. better. We can do better. Um, that should be the, that we should can be, figure something else out. Yeah. We can, <laughs> thank you for that. We can figure mm -hmm. something else out. All right. Uh, this has been David Crockett. Um, thank you very much for coming on. Thanks, Jonathan. Okay. Next up on the Knicks film school podcast, uh, someone who I have a lot of fun interacting with on Twitter. Um, partially because he's very knowledgeable and partially because he's not afraid to push back on me when I make certain points that might not be the best. Um, David Perlmutter. David, how you doing, man? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you for wanting to be a part of this. Um, so, yeah, you tell me. I mean, there's, there's no shortage of topics to talk about right now. You tell me what's on your mind, first and foremost. Um, I Actually, to be honest, since I have you on the phone, I'd love to know how this actually all came to be. I mean, I think I've seen through some conversations that maybe you're an attorney in your previous life. I understand you're a teacher, but how, how did, how did this, this thing that you've built come to be? Oh gosh. Um, okay. Uh, I'll try to do this as quick as possible. I've always loved sports and I've always loved writing and I've always loved, um, I enjoy, let me rephrase that. When I was younger, I would write about sports all the time. Like when I was in high school, but, um, I didn't think that, uh, like, making a career of this was uh, ever a possibility. Like I, I didn't think real people got to do this is, I guess would be the easiest way to say it. So, right. and, and I was always kind of raised, like throw yourself into whatever your profession is. And like, that doesn't leave a lot of time for hobbies. So I was, I, I go briefly, I went to school for business and then I was like managing a bar and a restaurant because I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And that led to law school, which led to being a lawyer, which then led to being a teacher. And then once I became a teacher is finally when I got some spare time on my hands and an hour commute each way. So literally this was birthed out of me having an hour or two hours a day on the LIRR to kill. And I was like, well, you know, uh, why don't I go back to doing what I always really enjoyed, which was writing about basketball. And, uh, and <laughs> now I guess a few years later, here we are. Crazy. It's awesome. I think it's, uh, I mean, obviously you put a lot of work into it, so it makes sense. I, I myself and many other Nick fans I know have put 
no work into it. But in, in concept, it's it's like a dream job, right? It's, you get to do what you love and talk about the Knicks all day. It's something we'd all love to do. It's awesome. I, I very, very cool. There's not a there's not a forget about a day. There's not a minute that goes by that I'm not. Um, incredibly appreciative of two, well two things one my wife because if i was married to someone who was like ha you think you're spending time with this nonsense think again um, <laughs> i mean you're a happily married man i'm sure you can understand right oh here. yeah absolutely needs need support from everyone especially yeah. the, especially people you live with you know and then the other part of it is like I still to this day don't know why anybody cares what i have to say about the knicks um and i'm, I'm that's just me being honest and i don't Clearly something resonates, which I'm, I'm thankful for, but it's to hell if I know what it is. Well, I, I would tell you, I'll tell you for myself, the Knicks Twitter universe is a, is a crazy, crazy place, but we're basically the same age. We grew up basically rooting for the same, you know, era of teams and the style of play. So whenever I, when I got on Twitter, which I think was late, I found someone who I felt like viewed the game like I did. And obviously you've had a similar impact on so many other people um, as well. I mean, I just, there, there are certain players that I think people that grew up watching basketball in the nineties are drawn to. And there are certain players that you're just turned off from. And if you grew up in a different era, you might have a different, you know, opinion of those things. Can I tell you something? What's been the, the most confusing is the wrong word, but, I'm you you hit the nail on the head and over the last I would say this has probably happened over the last six months is I've been for I've been forced to grapple with the fact that I am so favorable towards the types of players you're talking about. I mean, let's just call it like it is like the Frank Delacinas of the world. Right. Exactly. Uh, You know, to the point where I'm like, man, you know. Maybe I'm not thinking enough about like, and I'll I'll use like, well, Julius Randle's a bad example, but like, he's you a know, terrible example. But, the, but like, but like Zach Levine, I was about to say sort of maybe empty stat kind of guy. No, exactly. You know, but like, unquote. am I too quick to dismiss the idea of like the Knicks making a play for a super talented guy like Zach Levine and trying to become the organization that takes a dude like that and it's like, all right, let's figure out how we could make you work because. I think any you know this as well as I do. You need both types of players to win in the in the NBA. So that's been tough for me, and I I'm curious where my own opinions on that go moving forward. I don't I don't really know the answer to that question. Yeah, well, think about the like the revisionist history to some degree on Ewing, especially recently during uh, COVID when people have had time. I mean, I can remember times in my life where I hated him. I mean, sure, I yeah. loved him. He's the, he's the captain. He's the warrior. He's the best. But, you know, the, the finger roll is just, you know, it, things change over time. So you can't always put it on the players in the moment. You know, they need coaching. They need teammates. They need support. You know, there's so many other factors that go into it. I'll tell you what I found interesting about, like, the, the Levine thing is this whole premise of, like, he's such – this is such a Knicks thing to do. Yeah. I, I can't remember the last time we've ever got a early 20s or mid-20s best player on another team to come to the Knicks in their prime. Yeah. Uh, like that, that that's the total not Nick thing to do. No, like wouldn't you love to hear, you know, Wendell Carter Jr.'s name in a trade rumor, you know, for yeah. the Knicks sure. or like, you know, name right. any other and that's that's the tough part of where this comes in because we're so predisposed as Nick fans to be on the lookout for the typical Knicks thing and we're trained to be like, well, of course it's not going to work. It's the usual dumb shit that they do. Yeah, but the typical Knicks thing is is past prime overpaid. Yeah. It's not really in prime. 
Yeah. You know, and the only example that I think you could people could point to is Randall, and that's that really wasn't a Knicks sort of move either. When when do we get some? I know he's polarizing, and many don't like him, and and I don't like him either. By the way, you talked about me pushing back. I'm just a contrarian. The only reason I defend <laughs> Randall is everyone else shits on him. But no, you're <laughs> right mean. to. But you're right to do that because how do you expect a talented but flawed player to succeed? And you if you put him in literally the worst possible. It's like they took all these guys who needed to be in a certain situation to be successful. RJ Barrett, Julius Randle. Hell, you could even throw Alfred Payton in there. Like, all these guys needed a bunch of shooting around them and they put them together on the court at the same time. I mean, the Randle the Randall thing is, I don't want to get that fit, but the Randle thing, and I know he's he's apparently, I, I don't watch really NBA very closely outside of the Knicks and whomever the Knicks are playing, but apparently Randle has played similar to this in the past is what people say. I, I have no idea if that's true, but you know, these guys have all grown up being complex. They're all the best, right? They're the yeah. best in baseball, they're best in, in, in every sport they've ever played. You know, you come to New York City and the organization says you're going to be the point forward yeah. and everything's going to go. What's he supposed to do, he, right? He did literally what he what he dreamed of his yeah. whole life and what he was told to do. And he tried and he tried, I think, genuinely to be that, which is why. Early on in the season, we saw a lot more turnovers and stuff. It's just, you know, I look, it's the four or five spins into oblivion that we all all get on our nerves. Oh, yeah. He, well, he, he's not capable of doing what he was asked to do. No. I'm just pointing out, he, to me, he was clearly asked to do it. For sure. Oh, no, 100%. It, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't like he's like, you know what? RJ is going to be the centerpiece, and I'm stealing that attention away from him. I no. mean, they just they brought him in under the wrong pretense. You're right. Um, all right, I'm going to end it with a, a question that I'm going to end with everybody that does this this weekend. Um, I And again, I know this is unfair, um, give me a win total for next year. And no, there's no context. You can't give any caveats. You just have to like, with so much on the table, so many different ways this could go. I want you to just give me a number. Am I assuming 82 games? Yes, yeah, that you could assume. I'm 82. Assuming, okay. Um, I'm going to go with, I'm, I'm going to, I'll probably get crap from this for people, but I'm going to go with 39. Okay. No, I, I don't, if you, any number over 40, I think I would give I would I would push back on to me there's no answer between which is why I like the question there's no answer between 25 and 40 that's wrong um I just yeah. you know given yeah. everything that's that's at stake um this was a lot of fun I I this is not going to be the last time we chat but um it might be the last time on this program for a while so David thank you for coming on and thank you for making um a thanks contribution for having to this me effort. thanks for thanks for doing this to support a good cause you know this, uh, there's a lot of opinions out there and it's nice to do things about them so it's great you're taking the initiative absolutely man thank you all right joining me now on the Knicks Film School podcast um Matt LaSalle Matt I I feel like We've interacted on Twitter a few times, but not a ton. So um, I, I'm going to do this a little a little differently than I guess a normal call-in show. Like, tell me a little bit about yourself. <laughs> Who are you? All right. So uh, I yeah, your, your podcast takes off a lot of boxes for me. I'm, I'm a 37 year old lawyer, uh, personal injury lawyer, raising a, a young toddler with uh, who is a a diehard Knicks fan. So I feel like we've got a lot of overlap there. I was about to say a 37 lawyer raising a young toddler. Yeah. Those, those boxes all checked. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right down the line. Uh, and, and, a, and a beer snob on top of that. So, <laughs> uh, Do you have a beer of choice um, or is it just whatever's in the fridge? Um, 
what I've been, uh, there's a brewery here in Connecticut, the New England Brewing Company. Anything you find by them is going to be good. I'm going to, I'm literally writing that down. New England Brewing Company? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how far out they distribute if they get down, uh, down your way, but. Uh, anything they make can't go wrong. Okay, this is this is the advice. This is the life advice I need during quarantine. Oh yeah, this this, this important stuff. Yes, very. So, um, depending on how things break in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> I was about to say. So, tell me. I mean, start wherever you want, but I'm curious. How are you feeling about where things are right now? Yeah. Before I do that, first of all, I want to say, like, yeah, I know I've said it before in talking to you privately, but. Man, you were like, I'm living vicariously through you at this point in my life. You're just killing it. Uh, it's so cool to see somebody like start doing this for fun and actually like starting to make some inroads in, into like, you know, real journalism with this stuff. Like, uh, good for you, man. It's so cool to see somebody doing this and doing it well. That, well and and that, I talk about you. like, for, for, for a team that constantly makes me feel like I'm compromising my morals by supporting them, <laughs> it's cool that you're doing something like this. To actually like, you know, that I could feel good about myself for being an exam and not like do it in spite of my values. <laughs> um, I, I really appreciate you. If I had a choice in terms of like what team I rooted for, I mean, I, I don't I've never really thought about that because my view is like if you're a diehard fan, you don't you don't get that choice. Um, as oh, yeah. No, it's, it's pathologic. I don't yeah. understand. I mean, I, 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 I'm a fan almost in spite of myself most times. And then the, the journalism comment. I still don't know what real journalism is. I feel like one of these days, maybe I'll figure it out. But I'm, I'm trying to feel my way as I go along. So take that for what it's worth. But, but that's everybody, right? I mean, you always feel like you've got that imposter syndrome until you realize in the middle of it that there's like people looking at you for advice and stuff like that. For You're sure. Like, oh, wait a minute. You know? Um, yeah. So... I get. Tell me how much beer slash other, you know, liquid uh, helpers are we gonna need in the next couple of weeks? What are you What are you thinking? What is your uh, opinion? What are you feeling? Uh, I mean, that's not up to us. They're like, they, it almost was like they 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 couldn't screw this up. They had two things that they couldn't do with the coaching choice. It was not hire Mark Jackson, and they seemed like they were doing a great job in terms of that. And then also don't hire Jason Kidd. And up until like two days ago, it was thinking that, okay, they're doing great. You know, it's going to come down to Tibbs or Atkinson. And uh, I don't know, it depends on who I hear talk about it last, about who I want as a coach, right? You know, I've listened to every podcast and every guy who comes on and talks about Atkinson, I'm like, oh yeah, it totally makes sense. Atkinson's the guy. And then the next person will talk about Tibbs. I'm like, oh yeah, no, definitely Tibbs. So it's like a coin toss. They couldn't screw that up. And so I'm hoping it's just a bunch of noise and that it, it's got to be one of the two of them. Cause I feel like, you know, it, it's a one, a and a one B situation. Either of those guys are going to be fine for what they need. I, I agree with you. Um, as someone who, again, talk about learning on the fly is learning how to parse out the noise from like the real stuff. And I'll, I'll listen, I'll be the first person to admit, I don't, I don't, I'm figuring that out as I go along. Um, I, I wish I, I wish I could say with any conviction that I really didn't think that they were going to screw this up, but I, I'd be lying. Um, I'm not sure what they're going to do. Um, it's just, you know, and it's funny because, you know, who, you know what the comp I actually thought of for kid recently was, is Isaiah Thomas, because you want to talk about someone who pulled the wool over James Dolan's eyes for more years. I, I can't think yeah. of it, you know, and it's like, Talk about it. Who in NBA history is better that can better convincing you of like what he wants you to believe than Isaiah Thomas until we get to Jason Kidd, who apparently is just as good. I don't I don't know. Yeah, that's more apt than I had even realized. I mean, from the coaching stuff all the way down to 
some of the more problematic aspects of it. Like that's pretty dead on. Yeah. And we, we don't have to, God. Yeah. 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 yeah but yeah, no, yeah, it's just yeah. like, I'm thinking, like, Oh my God, that really was a dead on comparison. Okay. No, um, no, that's, that's perfect. And we all know how that worked out the first time. Yeah. Not, not so great. Um, let's, let's try to end this on a positive. What's, what's one thing that you're legitimately like, I don't have to talk myself into it, but I just, I'm really, it makes me happy as a Nick fan uh, to see this player with like to be able to think about this potential future thing. Like what, what is it for you? So, so, so two things real quick. First, um, it sounds great that they seem to be high on Frank because, you know, I, I, I'm like the biggest Francophile, you know, he could do no wrong in my eyes. It's excited to see that he might get a chance to, to play out a little further and try to keep on the trajectory that, that at least I hope he's on, you know, that get some stability and actually see what he can do. Okay. That's a pretty um, good one. <laughs> yeah. And, and the second is the more turning to the draft, like obviously it'd be great if they could land Lamelo. I, I, I think he seems like a pretty sure thing, at least to be decent, but I think I've gotten pretty high on Isaac Okoro recently. Um, and it seems like he should definitely be in their range. And if, if they end up with Tibbs as a coach, like he seems like he would be a, a great fit. You're, and so knowing that that might be something that they could like fall back on and have a guy like that who's just who for once we don't have to worry about like motor issues with a draft pick, you know. I, I, so that that's my silver lining right now. You're, is that they could land on him? You must have. We must have VSP because I I just submitted my weekly piece for SI.com and I wrote about how when I was watching uh, and I tweeted something about this at the time during the game. I was watching the Miami Heat in their scrimmage. And at one point, they sent out a, li- a lineup of all wings, no point guard, no bigs, no nobody even who I would qu- quantify as a power forward. Just five guys who knew what to do with the ball, um, could move with the ball, could move the ball. And it just like, I'm watching it. I'm like, if anybody doesn't think this is the way the NBA is going, like, okay, fine. Maybe you throw your rim protector in there for good measure, like depending on what your particular scheme is. But like... Tell me how Isaac Okoro isn't going to, assuming the shot continues to come along and I, I'm encouraged, like, tell me how that guy doesn't make a positive impact in the league for the next 10, 15 years. Um, he's a yeah, good player. Yeah, for sure. And he, yeah, and the ability to throw him, Frank, and Mitch out, like, as a part of the same lineup, I mean, I don't know where you're going to get your shooting from out of that, but, like, defensively, nobody wants to play that. No, and I think, uh, look, you know, every you could literally make any point about this team, and the caveat is going to have to be as long as the shooting comes along. Because that's, I mean, it's, it, <laughs> no, it's it, I mean, look at all their core players. It's hovering over everything. So um, it is what yeah. it is. I want to end with the uh, same question I'm asking everybody, which is no context, no caveats, no nothing. Give me your win prediction total number for next year, assuming an 82 game season. I'll go, I'll go 32. Okay. Um, I'm keeping track of these things as we go along. We've all the numbers I've gotten so far have been in the thirties. So you're, you're in good company. Um, I think that's, I think that might be the number I like the most out of everything in terms of what I would predict. Uh, I, I like that number. Yeah. I, I think it's about, I think it's about right. I mean, anything, I think the more, the better. It'd be great, you know, to see more, but, I think that's realistic. Yeah, I think so too. Um, listen, Matt, this was a lot of fun. Um, I really appreciate you contributing to the cause and I really appreciate you taking a few minutes today. And uh, yeah, man, let's uh, chat again on Twitter soon. Yeah, for sure, man. Thanks for having me on. Um, all right. So before I talk about timing, uh, Larry, Larry, the athlete, um, you, 
I don't know. Did you foresee that you were scheduling this call for the moment when the biggest Knicks news of the year broke? Did it just break? I mi- A five-year deal, Tom Thibodeau. Spencer Perlman also on the line. This was supposed to be a conversation about, I guess, draft stuff, which I, it could still be. No, I think this is more important. Oh, my God. I... I was I was ready to have a meltdown if they had signed Kid. Um, I'm trying to scroll down Twitter um, as we're as we're talking. Um, yeah, I mean we don't have anything other than it's a five year um, deal. Uh, no word on if it's fully guaranteed, although I imagine it is. Um, all right, Spencer. Let me. We'll, we'll make this a, a few few more minutes than just five, Spencer. Um, ice ice baby. What are you we thinking, baby? It's better than kid i still would have preferred someone else but i'm not angry with it like it, it, he's a he's a good coach um i think he kind of got a bad rap maybe a little bit for the wolves and stuff that happened and there's still obviously minute you know things that need to be worked out with him controlling like basically i don't trust him with the minute someone's gonna have to like tap him on the shoulder when he's playing someone too much yes um but yeah yeah like, i'm good with it I'm definitely much happier with this than I was with Fisdale and I think any other coaching recent hire. So, hey, progress. <laughs> uh, Larry, um, it's it's your call, man. It's it's your spot. Tell me, what do you want to what do you want to talk about this? Okay, uh, well, f- first of all, I think you're totally right about the minutes. That's like that's an that's an organizational decision. And when he was with Minnesota, no one was there to say don't play these guys more than 36 minutes. So. I, I, I hope to God that Leon Rose and the crew is going to take care of that. And I know he, he's going to love Frank, right? There's no doubt he's going to love Frank, love playing Frank. And as a Frank fan, that's got to that's just got to make you happy. I, you know, it's funny that you say that because I've spent the last, you know, I don't know if you read the newsletters, but I've spent the last few weeks just digging into more Wolves film than I really ever wanted to see because man, some of that is dog shit. Um, and his insistence on going to Jeff Teague and Jamal Crawford in particular over Tyus Jones, who Tyus Jones, I mean, Spencer, maybe you could speak to it. You, you, you know, scattered the guy, um, is not anything to write home about, but he knows what the hell he's doing. And Tibbs just for reasons I can never quite understood or understand, like, didn't play him. Meanwhile, he clearly was better for at the very least the defense, the defense that he was trying to run. You know, it should it should be noted that I think it was his first year coaching. Thibodeau actually played a rookie Chris Dunn seventeen minutes a game. So if he did that with a rookie Chris Dunn, and if Frank is, I mean, not if Frank is hundred percent better. I mean, Frank was frankly a better rookie, I think, than Dunn was. But like now, there, there's no reason why Frank should not be getting at least like 25 minutes a game. I'm like, I think with Dennis Smith Jr. is going to be interesting because he's going to get in the doghouse. I think, I mean, he's probably entering the doghouse. He's already entered the doghouse rather entering the doghouse. He built the doghouse. I mean, (laughs) uh, Larry, what were you going to say? I was just going to say that entering the doghouse is the worst Bruce Lee movie I've ever seen. (laughs) I love it. Um, I don't know, man. I just still think that. Listen, the one, the one story that I was actually, I actually consider like a, a cool thing that I got to do in the locker room last year was hear Taj Gibson lament his team, his the young players on his team after some dog shit loss or another, and it was just not hard to read between the lines that he was talking about Dennis Smith Jr. And I will, I don't, I'll put that right out there. I don't, you know, 
it's like that dude's approach to basketball is not what you need if you want to uh, play for Tom Thibodeau. Uh, so, Larry, other than Frank, is there anything else that you're particularly excited about with this move or um, nervous, I guess, uh, with with Tibbs? Uh, I mean, nervous about the minutes for sure. Um, and you, you, when 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 news first came out that Tibbs was the front runner for this, my initial reaction was like, oh, no, he's he's this guy who's kind of set in his ways like a, he's like a 1950s dad who thinks you've got to motivate people by yelling at them and the the Knicks who've never been forward looking and you know into like data analytics or anything that that's like the future of basketball I thought okay this is just going to be another big name to get headlines but the more and the more analysis I've heard, the more I'm down with it. Um, yeah, I don't like the the different ways this could have gone. I, I I don't think like the guy was considered one of the best coaches in the league <laughs> until fairly recently, and he needs to adjust. Um, I think we know that, but uh, I think hey, listen, it's a happy day for Knicks fans. Um, Larry, before I let you go, um, yeah. two things. One. I see you have a pretty sweet podcast set up uh, do you, or a microphone set up. What do you what do you do? Do you have a pod like anything you want to plug or promote? Yeah, sure. Uh, you could follow me at Larry the Athlete on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn or Bumble. And uh, you could listen to Larry Knows Sports. That's my podcast uh, on any of your favorite podcast chase uh, device. Um, I love it. Um, yeah. Everybody, should, sorry, what'd you say? I was gonna say one more question. Do you do you think the whole Jason Kidd rumor was it just smoke and mirrors? Um, I think it was crap. Why? Why do you think it was crap, Spencer? I like honestly, my gut feeling just kind of tells me that no, like based on the moves that they made with the hires in the front office and with the direction that I think they want to go, that would undo everything. Um. Like you don't bring in someone to to have the power, then you don't bring in people underneath him who will have, you know, you know, the, like Walt Perrin, um, what's his name, uh, Brock Aller, Allery. Like you don't bring those guys in, then you bring in someone like Kid who's going to want and who forced guys out of front office positions because. So you don't bring that guy in because then he just kind of he tried to undo everything. Yeah, no, I I think the more um, this literally this is thought just came to my head now. I think they may have used Jason Kidd like free agents use the Knicks every year. Like, <laughs> no, I mean, is that is that that crazy? Because he is charismatic. And if you're Tom Thibodeau, I again, but at the same time, I say that and we don't know if there was any concessions by Tibbs here. Maybe the concession is uh, you get to pick my staff. Um, and Ian Bagley just reported um, that there's internal support for Knicks interim coach Mike Miller and former Knicks head coach Mike Woodson to be added as assistant coaches on uh, assistant coaches on Tom Thibodeau's staff. Um, I don't, I I think it was a little bit more than just smoke. I'll be honest with you, Spencer. I I ugh, God, I can't believe I'm saying this. I think that they really were curious, not not sold by any stretch. And I don't think they ever wanted kid above Thibodeau, but I think there was a part of them that if they could not work out a deal with Thibodeau, they were at the very least legitimately intrigued by the idea of kid. Is that fair to say? Yeah, but I mean, I think there are many things I'm intrigued by. I am intrigued by. <laughs> oh God, I can't wait to hear this. What are you intrigued yeah. by, Spencer? I am, I am intrigued by 
um, growing another six inches and playing power forward for the Knicks in a few months. The fact that you have so little confidence that that could happen is actually upsetting to me. Um, <laughs> man. All right. This has been fun. Uh, Spencer, thank you for taking a few minutes. Uh, Larry, the athlete. Oh, before I let you go, a question I'm asking everyone, which a little easier now that we have this news. Give me a win total prediction for next year's Knicks. Uh, I'll go with 36. 36. Okay. Got it. That brings all of our totals still in the 30s. We have four different guesses, though, so far. Um, all right. Awesome stuff, guys. Thank you for this. Uh, Larry, thank you so much for contributing to uh, our cause. And I'm sure we'll talk again uh, soon on Twitter. All right. Joining me next, uh, this is the uh, second guest uh, that I have had for this massive program since in, in the post Tibbs era, I guess I'll call it. Um, you know him as Prez uh, from Posting and Toasting. Um, Prez, how are you? I'm good. I'm enjoying this this fine Saturday where, uh, you know, we got we got the Woj bomb we were all waiting for. Yeah, um, it, it was a bomb. Um, I, I'm still in a little bit of shock because, man... Here's here's why I'm a little bit of shock. I ultimately expected it to be Tibbs even after yesterday's like all that craziness. And I said as much on uh, John Schmielk's podcast, but I did expect this at this point to drag out until early next week. I thought that there was some legitimacy to how long it was going to take. And obviously I was completely wrong. So um, give me your give me your initial thoughts on Tom Thibodeau. Well, I, you know, I'm, I was. I, I, I'm the easy, the rare easy to please Nick fan these days. I feel like whenever I'm on Twitter, I would have been happy with Tibbs, with Atkinson, with Udoka. I think most of these guys are qualified. As long as we avoided the really horrible candidates like Kidd and Jackson, I was going to be a, a happy camper. I don't think, I think there's questions about Tibbs, but I think there's questions about Atkinson too. So I, it's not like an automatic slam dunk, but overall, I think I'm happy, and I think the thing I'm most excited for is, uh, like like many folks have said, you know, he he drives his guys hard, and and I think we have the kind of kids who are amenable to that. So I'm excited to hopefully see that take some of these guys to a new level. Hopefully, um, that's the thing. Like I, I get all of the criticisms about Tibbs, and I think that every one of them that I've not everyone. Let me rephrase that. I think a lot of them that I've heard are valid. But I think the notion that he doesn't kind of instantly raise the level of play in your locker room is, um, I don't know. I just, I, he, like, I feel like we have enough evidence to know that that's a real thing. Like, there is an effect that he walks out and he walks in and, you know, has an effect on the team. Um, so your expertise is the draft. Um, I know you spent a ton of time watching a ton of film and I know from our conversations, um, you know, oh boy, a lot about the prospects in this draft. Um, and you also know a lot about Tibbs' schemes, uh, because we've talked about that a lot on Twitter. So with all of that in mind, um, is there a player or players who you either maybe want to see on the next next year um, from this draft class, or maybe a player or players that you think would fail miserably given that Tibbs is now the coach? It's, it's a really good question. And, you know, the one thing that you can't do as an armchair, you know, quote unquote, you said the word expert. I didn't use it. Uh, a guy who looks at draft stuff 
from his apartment. You put in the work. Fun. Look, can we just say you put, put in a, you put in a ton of work. I dude. put. It, I mean, as far as some guy on his couch, yeah, but like, well, I, and I mentioned that distinction only because, like, it's very easy for us over here on Twitter to un, to undersell the importance of the the interviews and, and the background checks and, and seeing how that sort of stuff checks out. And, you know, that stuff is always important and I tend to brush it off as less important, but I feel like with someone like Tibbs, it, you know, it becomes a little more important. Um, and, you know, like, cause you need people who have the capacity to, to learn fast, to be coached hard and to adjust to coaching and like the the one guy that kind of scares me in, in that respect is probably Ant-Man Anthony Edwards a little bit just because Ooh. he he's a like you could tell from his interview with with Mike Schmidt from from ESPN or Mike Schmidt can't forget yeah. the Z can't forget the Z and uh the, the Mike Schmidt is a Hall of Fame baseball player wrong guy <laughs> um the uh in the interview he like he was pointing out all the stuff like his mistakes and the schemes and all of that. But on the court, he, it just, it's like, diff, it's like a different personality. It's like all he, all the intellectual understanding of that stuff seems to go out the window. So that gives me a little bit of pause. Um, I just, because I, I just, I just want to agree with you real quick. And like, you know, watching the film that I did, and again, I'm I'm not making myself. God knows, I'm not making myself out to be an expert, but I do kind of know what I'm looking at when I watch a, a basketball game. And just the amount of times I watched Andrew Wiggins on defense, um, just like it, it maybe it's imperceptible if you're not looking for it, but just the little things that you need to do to make a Tibbs defense hum, he just. It just really never did. And from what I know about Edwards, from what I've seen about Edwards, um, that's not a road that I think I want to go down. Yeah, exactly. Like, like ultimately, like you can change defenses to, to cater to guys like that, but you don't want to. Right. So no. that's, that's the thing. Like, even, like that's basically what, in, what Kenny did with his guards in New, in, in, I was going to say New Jersey in Brooklyn. And it worked out because of, many reasons because he's really good at coaching, but it's not, it's not, it's not ideal. So, uh, yeah, I'd be a little, little, okay. I'd be happy if he ended up a Nick, but I'd also be a little nervous compared to like other top guys. Uh, real quick. Give me, actually, no, I'm going to pose it to you. Um, someone mentioned it as actually before the tips news broke, uh, but like a half hour ago, um, Okoro on the Knicks next year. I like the idea of Okoro in a tips defense, um, I, what is your gut feeling on that? Yeah, I think any of these, any of the guys who tend to be good team defenders and physical, which was like, he's the main one, right? And yeah. in, in this lottery along with, uh, well, he's really the main one. I don't know if anybody else really gets to that level. I'm um, not, I was about Vassell. to say, I'm not sure that I would put any, not in the lottery at least. Yeah, Vassell's a great team defender, but he doesn't have that. I mean, he's still a skinny guy. Maybe he gets jacked. I don't know. Uh, but Okoro's already there. So he's he's definitely a, a Tibbs classic. Can't shoot Tibbs classic. <laughs> we're gonna be we're gonna be trying to win game seventy two to sixty nine next year. Um okay. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be mad at it. I wouldn't be mad at it. That's the type of basketball I like to watch, sadly. Um okay. Um two quick things before we get you out of here. One, um, 
you you I, you've committed, so I'm going to hold you to it. The night of the draft lottery um, has been moved up to August 20th. Me and you were going to do a pod, a much longer pod um, that night in which we're going to, you know, dive into the possibilities and all the different things that we know once the Knicks get their pick. Um, so mark that on your calendars. Um, and then uh, the second thing is, oh, I'm putting you on the spot. Give me a no caveats. What is the what is the win total the Knicks are going to have next year? Just give me a number. Oh, man. I'm a lawyer by trade, just like you. So my first instinct is to hedge, and you're not going to let me hedge here. Uh, I'll say, uh, if we assume, no, none of that, no, none of that. No. Okay, 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 okay. I'll, uh, fuck it. I'll say, uh, how about forty? There we go. Okay, you're the highest by a little bit so far. You're the fifth one. You're the highest so, by a little bit, but it's fine. Thirty-three win pace with Mike Miller having Tibbs and probably Miller back. Presumably having a draft pick. Presumably having free agents that aren't completely useless. I feel like that's seven wins. There uh, it is. I like it. Um, I'm here for it. I, I would never go higher than forty, but I'm okay with forty. Um, Prez, this was a lot of fun. I am already looking forward to our next conversation. And uh, just do me a favor, tell the folks at home where they can find you. Uh, you can find me at uh, posting, toasting, writing uh, all the time. I got some, uh, I got uh, some things on the mellow ball because you know everybody hasn't read and heard enough about him this year. So be on the lookout for that. And on Twitter at uh, underscore. P-R-E-Z-I-D-E-N-T-E. Uh, you are going to want to follow Prez um, before draft. I mean, you're going to want to follow him anyway, but you're definitely going to want to follow tw- uh, Prez before draft season because, uh, again, he knows what he's talking about. He has some great takes. And uh, Prez, thank you for contributing to the effort, and thank you for coming on the show, man. Thank you. All right. Now joining me on the Knicks Film School podcast on uh, I am I'm calling this Tom Thibodeau Day here on uh, Saturday afternoon. Uh, David Garfinkel. David, uh, how you feeling? What's going on? Well, I'm feeling good, Jonathan. I wanted to thank you first for all the work you do and all the great writing, keeping us Knicks fans excited about everything and uh, and for the opportunity that you provided here to help us support a good cause and for me to have a little time talking to you. So that's all good. Well, thank you. And for- as far as the Tom is. <laughs> Oh, go for it. Yeah, no, I was going to say, thank you for the kind words. Um, I, they're certainly undeserved. And, and thank you for wanting to be a part of this and, uh, you know, giving some money to uh, a great cause. Uh, and, you, yeah, you stole my thunder here. So Tibbs is the coach. What uh, what are your initial thoughts? Well, I mean, uh, that, the, the, the coaching search was, was – is okay, my initial thoughts are I think the Knicks are doing about as good a job as they can do as an organization given the – past and probably given some issues with the ownership and some other stuff in terms of building what looks to me like the potential for a competitive basketball team. That's, and that's for me, that's good enough right now. I, how I feel. So I think you hit the nail on the head when you say competitive basketball team, because <laughs> what, no, I mean, listen, you could, right. you can't laugh at it because <laughs> We've, we've been here for 20 years. I should ask, how, how old are you or how long have you been a fan? I'm so I, I'm 54 years, years old and I was introduced to the Knicks by my father in around 73. So that would, I would have been about seven years old. And he told me all about the great history of the Knicks and how they, they fancy, they were a team team made up of a mixed group of people all working together, playing team ball, the, a great fan base and the defense. He told me the story about Frazier and 
Willis and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, I've always been a Nick fan. So, uh, ever since then I have, a, you know, long history and, um, you know, I, I, I grew up in Tennessee and I watched Bern- oh, Ernie, wow. Bernie play like okay. live and, uh, some things like that, you know, I mean, uh, man, I've been around this whole thing for a long time. And, uh, and so that's, that's where I'm at. So I, I, I appreciate your perspective because I think, you know, it's, it's interesting. I'm not going to say that young fans don't know what competitive basketball looks like because all you have to do is turn on, you know, another, a a game being played by other teams to see that. But I think that there's something, there's an appreciation for older Nick fans, um, you know, and I, I put myself in that category. I started rooting for the team in 1993, so a little, a little after you, mm-hmm. but still, you know, I, I like we've seen what it is to be competitive here in this city, in this environment, and yes. I think, you know, and I don't want to downplay the job that maybe Kenny Atkinson would have done, or you know, some of these other you know first time head coaches. I'm, I'm not going to mention Jason Kidd, um, but like there is there is a lot that is on your plate here in New York. And I think of all the candidates to, you could, you could talk about play styles. I think you could talk about a lot of different things, but like Tibbs is a guy I think we could be sure of can handle all that other stuff. And Thibodeau. Thibodeau. Yeah. And that's, yeah, I I call him Tibbs. It's just, it's easier. I should get used to saying Thibodeau because I can't always say Tibbs. Um, I think you said kids. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, God, no. Um, Thibodeau. Um, Thibodeau. I'm going to keep getting this wrong. It's Thibodeau and then the nickname is Tibbs, which is odd, but that is the, that is the difference. In any case, um, I, we know he could handle it. And I think, you know, from your experience watching the team for as long as you have, you kind of know, that, like I just said, there's a lot that comes with being successful in New York. Yeah, I mean, if we could, you know, uh, step back for me a little bit is sort of the. Uh, for, I feel like the oh, yeah, going through the number of coaches that we've gone through, and actually thinking that that the coach is going to be the one that takes the team to the next level. I mean, I look at Thibodeau's Chicago team, and I think that team was loaded in a way. Like at, for whatever you know, those players at that moment were. A, a young, energetic, and sort of in, in what felt a little bit like all-star mode in their career before they had some physical problems. And sometimes I think the, the coach gets the credit for being uh, a, a guy who gets to work with great players. And without the great players, I don't, I'm not positive that their coaching style makes them able to create a great team. But what I do feel like is that uh, the organization in part – has a really had a really tough road in part because because what they've done is in is missed opportunities to have great drafts uh, p- created a team that has been good enough not to be able to draft high enough until RJ and KP and then you know obviously KP didn't work out but but that's fine uh, in, in a way. But so, and also what I wanted to talk a little bit was like the kind of Knox, Nilakina Robinson thing where these guys are coming out at 19, 18 years old. And to think that, like, I sort of feel like what people like think is that, that a coach is going to be able to turn this around. And it seems like a lot of these guys take four or five years because they've basically never 
had much team basketball experience outside of high school and maybe a year of college. But that's, I think that goes hand in hand with your organizational philosophy, which is why, you know, I think, you know, Mitchell Robinson, I'll put into a different category because he was a second round pick and it's kind of like a, um, you know, if that doesn't work out, it's, it's, it's not the end of the world. And he has worked out. I think with Frank and specifically with Knox, if you're drafting those kids, you have to know that you have an organizational philosophy and organizational, you know, something set up in your franchise in place that's going to take those kids from day one to day 1000 or whatever, you know, three years, four years, five years down the line. And that's why I think of all the things that I'm critical of the Perry and Mills regime, the fact that they essentially invested one year in Knox and then as far as I'm concerned, turned their backs on him this last season. That's to me malpractice because what did you think was going to happen? You drafted a kid who his own coach said it's going to be a three year thing. Well, you know, Guess what? He wasn't kidding. So that like of all the things like you, you hit the nail on the head when you said it's, it, it doesn't just come down to the coach. It comes down to the organization. So I just hope everybody's on the same page and no one's kidding themselves with what this is. My guess is that we are not going to see much. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to say we're not going to see any development. I don't want to get myself into trouble here, but I don't think we're going to see a lot of on the court learning and playing through mistakes. Let's just say that, you know, mm-hmm. and you know, I, I mean, we'll I, I, I'm one of those, you know, I, I, uh, by the way, I, I, I contribute to posting and toasting as Garfazilla. Sometimes. Uh, okay, cool. And I'm one. Yeah. And I'm one of the few people who on occasion defends Julius Randall. That's not a crime. Because in part, I part I feel that the Knicks were in a weird spot where they had a lot of money to spend and they knew that their young players were not ready for 30 minutes a game. They they were concerned about Frank's injury history. They knew Knox was not anywhere near ready in his head and some other things. So they basically like, well, let's see if we can get some guys in here. We'll work through their things in practice. And I saw by the end of the year, and this is a Knicks fan deal. Like, I don't know if other teams are like this, but I, I'm okay with a team that wins 20 games if I start to see some progress and cohesion. And I saw Frank start to pump his fists. I start to see him absolutely do that. And, and also, at the I, end of the season, he's doing that. I don't think we could discount. We saw some nice progress from RJ towards the end. I think that Houston game was absolutely, absolutely. massive for RJ. And I think, and I've I've wondered a few times how much our perception of the growth that did or did not occur this season has been skewed by the fact that we did not get to see those last, whatever, 15 or 16 games. And I know the the easy response is like nothing that matters for a losing team and that those last games, like that it's meaningless. Well, no, it's not. Not when you're talking about young players and not when you're tracking growth over a short span of time. So I I think you made a lot of great points. Um, I Before we get out of here, I want to um, ask you the same question I'm asking everybody, which is – no caveats, no no couching it, no no asterisk. Just give me a prediction win total for next season. I need a number here. Win total for next season. Uh, what did we win this year? <laughs> well, uh, that's we were it, we were on pace. <laughs> well, hold on. There's a few different answers, right? Because we, they won 21 games. They were on pace okay. under Miller 
for, I believe, 31 wins, and they were on pace just for the whole season, I think, for like 27 or 28. All right. Uh, I will say that we will win 31. Okay. That's not – it's towards the low end, not the lowest – um, it's funny. I've asked this to now six different people. I've gotten six different answers. This is hysterical. Uh-huh. Um, this was, this was absolutely great. Um, David, can you, um, you know, do anything you want to plug or promote before I get you out of here? Uh, plug or promote. I wasn't prepared for any plugging or promoting, but you don't I'm, have I'm to. It's fine. Fiction novel. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm writing a book right now. It's not about the Knicks, but, uh, but I, I, Jonathan, I do really appreciate, uh, getting your Knicks uh, writing and everything. And it really, it makes me happy. And I just want to like, let all the Knicks fans like say hi out there and be like, just, you know, let's have a good time this year, (laughs) next year, if they get to play a season and enjoy the little bits of progress that we might see on the way to a, a, a really fun year. That's what I'm hoping for. David Garfinkel, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for your contribution to this effort. And, uh, this was fun talking, man. I really had a good time. You too, man. Great talking to you. All right. Joining me now on the program, our latest guest, Gregorio Vincent. Gregorio, I will first ask how you're doing with everything going on. Uh, not too bad, considering. Thankfully, I've been able to stay healthy. Um, none of my family members have passed away and haven't gotten too sick. So I'm very lucky and very glad to still be here. You know, uh, being a Knicks fan, whether they like uh, torture us or not. You know? <laughs> I'm so lucky to be, to be, to be able to do that. I think watching basketball the last few days, um, just to be able to like sit back and enjoy it. It's, um, it's definitely put a, put a lot of things in perspective. Like, you know, to be able to just do that is a real treat and it's not something that anybody is necessarily deserving of, but it's, you know, it's nice when we get it. Um, so obviously the topic of the day is, is Tom Thibodeau. Um, I, I've been asking the last couple callers, uh, who have come on since the news has broke what their, what their thoughts or impressions are on, on the news. So let me get yours. What do you think of Tibbs? Yeah. I mean, honestly, he wasn't my first choice. Who, would, who was, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, Atkinson. Okay. He was my first choice. Um, but honestly, you can't really deny his record. He also, was was a coach under uh, Van Gundy for a couple of years in the Knicks, so he's familiar with Dolan. Obviously, he's familiar with Rose and uh, World Wide West. So, and clearly, he has the chops to really get this team to a more respectable level and hopefully get all rid of all the like the bad juju our team has had for like twenty years. So, um, I'm like cautiously optimistic that Tibbs can make it work, but. I don't know. We'll see. I, I feel like it was pretty much going to happen, but you know, we're holding out hope that they were going to make a more surprising move. No, that's that's where I'm at, and that's why like I couldn't get behind a kid higher because he he brings the bad juju with him, and like as much as I admire Kenny for what he did in Brooklyn, um, and I do think that there is a lot to be said for the advanced stats of his time there and the philosophies that he ran that team with, especially when you put them up against some of Thibodeau's advanced numbers um, of how his teams operated. Uh, But I just like you said it, man, like it's about getting out the bad juju. And I think at some point you, you just, you have to start winning games and that's the only way to get rid of the, get rid of the juju. 
And if like you want to win some games now, at what cost does it come with? And I think that's where probably a lot of Nick fans have the concern with tips. Um, right. Do you, let me ask you this. What did, did you want Kenny because you wanted to see the organization go with more of a patient philosophy or are you kind of okay with what seems like it's going to be the approach, which is like, Hey, let's get some veterans in here next year. We'll play a few kids, but like the goal here is going to be to win games. I preferred Atkinson because he has a clear record of being a really good player development coach from his different stops here in New York or Atlanta, obviously in Brooklyn. Um, And also he plays a more modern offense than Tibbs has in the past. Um, So that's why I felt like he could be a better fit for where I feel like the Knicks should be going. But obviously we've seen all the sound bites from Tibbs, like from the Sloan conference and things like that saying like he, 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 feel like he should have uh, adjusted more in Minnesota. Like he's more uh, aware of the fact that the, the modern NBA offenses run uh, on perimeter shots, threes, on uh, a lot of switching on defense. Um, that's another thing. Like would the ice defense really work? Yeah, no, I think it's a great question. I, I, my biggest question, and I, I literally just wrote this as, as my biggest question for an article for SI is what is his philosophy going to be specifically on defense? Will he switch more to your point about his offenses? Like I re- I read the same quotes from Sloan and he, he also talked, if I'm not mistaken about like, you know, the best shot is the, is something like the best shot is the one that your player is going to hit or something along those lines. Right. Mm-hmm. So theoretically, if that's his philosophy, well then the effective field goal percentage or just the straight field goal percentage for his team should be really good. And yet, yeah. if you look at the numbers, like in min- even Minnesota, the year that they were fourth overall in offense in 2017-18, they were only 13th in effective field goal percentage. So like that, uh, it gives me pause too. And that's why I, like, I won't begrudge anybody today who's like, I really wish it was Kenny. But, you know, I, I, I do think there's some some other things that go into the conversation, I guess, in short. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um. All right. Well, listen, the, this was fun. Any anything I've, I've been giving everybody a chance to like plug or promote anything before they get out of here. Anything you want to say? Um, I'm just uh, I'm a New Yorker born and bred in Queens, but I live in Oakland, California. So I've oh, been wow. here through all, all of the championships with the Warriors. So it's been awesome to be experienced uh, with the like parades and stuff. But then also it's like, man, if only the Knicks can get here. So we'll we'll see if Tibbs can be finally the person to turn it around. But it's actually been funny to see like how the Warriors go from like the top of the NBA to the bottom. And I was there when the Knicks beat them at the new Chase Center. So that was a great feeling. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I, I, uh, I had to go to Oakland for uh, for San Francisco for work um, the the year. I think it was the 14, 15. Um, it was the year the Hawks were a 60 win team. I think that was 14, mm-hmm. 15. And I got to see the Hawks play in that building. And it was like a hyped game because at the time they were the top two teams in each conference. And like, don't get me wrong. The building was loud and it was a cool scene. And like, you know, when Curry hit threes, it was a whole, you know, everybody was so excited, but like how excited that building gets is nothing compared to how exciting the garden gets when, 
you know, the Knicks are doing something special. So, oh yeah, you know, it's like uh, I, I, I just want to see it again before I die. Um, uh, a question for you that I'm asking everybody. I'm going to put you on the spot. No caveats. No, no, like eh, if this, that, the other thing. Give me a win total for next year for the New York Knickerbockers. Uh, um, That's the sound everybody has made, by the way. Because <laughs> you want to be like, oh yeah, let's win sixty games. Let's, let's I'd love to win sixty games. But. Yeah, um, I would say like I would say like forty. Okay, 42, forty. Yeah. So for, you want to yeah. keep it in even forty? Yeah, I'll keep it even forty. Okay, we have our first double. Uh, we, we've th- this is this. <laughs> you were the seventh person to get asked this. You're the first person to repeat. Somebody else said forty, which is currently tied for the high. Um, I'm okay. very, I'm very curious to see if I'm going to get anybody who's going to be like, you know, seventeen wins. Um, wow. Nobody <laughs> yet. Nobody yet. I'm, I'm just, I'm just curious if that's uh, not with Tibbs. I would be surprised. Um, Listen, Gregorio, thank you very much for coming on. Thank you for your contribution to this cause. I really appreciate it. And uh, it was great talking to you, man. Yeah, it was great talking to you too, Jonathan. Thanks for all your hard work. The community appreciates it. (laughs) That's way too high praise, but I appreciate it. And (laughs) um, yeah, no, I'll keep it up for sure. All right, man. Take care. Later. Joining me now on the Knicks Film School podcast, our latest guest is Lonnie Rodriguez. Uh, Lonnie, first and foremost, how you doing? Pretty good. How you doing, Jonathan? I'm I'm doing great. Um, I think it's a good day for for Nick fans, right? Is, it, is do you feel like today's a good day? One hundred percent. I know there's a bunch of people that wanted Kenny Atkinson, but I'm I'm on board with Tibbs, man, for sure. Uh, proven coach, you know, he brings uh, a great culture with him, great history, right? Uh, he has a winning record. That, that's important. Right? <laughs> it's a nice, it's a nice bonus. A chance on someone that's <laughs> sort of taking a chance on someone that's not necessarily proven. Although, you know, again. We interviewed a bunch of great people, right? Like that come from a, a nice coaching tree, such as like Pop. But I think Tibbs, you know, he just he has a proven winning record, so that's important. And I get it. People, you know, the narrative is he's going to run these kids into the ground. I don't think that's going to happen. And yeah, he'll play some of the kids that deserve to play, and I think that's a, that'll be a good thing for the team. But I think he'll get it right. That's my my take on it. I think you nailed on two things that are important. Um, I think you said he'll play the kids that deserve it. Right. And like, you know, look, I, I don't think there's one agreed upon method to like how to, how to develop players in the NBA. Um, I was actually just funny enough talking with the last caller about this. And I, I, I think, you know, this idea of just like, Rolling, I, I I haven't seen a, an organization yet that has like rolled the ball out and just put a bunch of kids on the floor and it has worked unless they have like a generational, you know, su- or I shouldn't even say generational, a superstar type player on the roster, right? Where you could kind of get away with that. And, you know, the, the, some really, really talented players grow together. We don't have that, unfortunately. So, um, I, I agree with you there. Um, and then, you know, I just, you know, I want to I, I want to see a team and I feel like it's been so long since I could say this. I want to see the team go out and play in a way that I could respect. You know, um, are you are you an older Nick fan? Do you go back to the 90s? I do. I yeah. do. I'm actually a Knicks fan. It's probably I don't have the I can't pinpoint the exact year. I'm thinking like 87, 88. OK, I'm a little older than you, Jonathan, but uh. But yeah, definitely a big '90s fan, and you know, into the 2000s. You know that decade was not great, 
But then I picked it up again in terms of like being a true like diehard just all the time watching 2010, 2011, you know, when we traded for Melo. You know, although I was on board at that time, you know, I wish I wish we could have done things differently, right? In hindsight. Hindsight is always twenty twenty. So do I. Do you want to see so, him back next year? Um, I mean, I wouldn't be against it, but I I don't just I just don't see the fit. You know, and I get it like they're gonna make some trades, they're gonna they're gonna revamp this team a bit, right? It's not gonna all be it's not gonna be a team of just young kids. I get that. But yeah, I'd welcome them. What what am I gonna say? If we, we get them, why not? <laughs> I'm, but I'm also what's gonna what's what's pretty ironic is I think we're gonna get him and maybe we get we got uh Gallinari, right? So think about it. We, we trade Gallo and then uh now, you know, fast forward uh what, almost ten years we're gonna have Gallo and Melo on the same team. Um at least that's my opinion. We'll see how it plays out. But No, if if you had to ask me to bet on who are the two players in the league that I that are not currently on the Knicks that I would wager the most will be on the Knicks next season? I think easily Melo and Gallo for me would be one and two in some order. I, and I honestly, I don't even know which order. I think I, I was talking about this on a pod yesterday. Um, I would have said Melo 100% more likely, but mm-hmm. I don't know now. I'm not as sure. I think Gallo makes a lot of sense. I think they could get him on a one-year deal. Um, yep. and you know, you talk about does Melo make sense with the current roster? There's, listen, there's very few things that I really just don't want to see next year. And one of them is like, if Melo's on the team, I don't want to see him at the three. Can we just finally just put him at the four? Like, but if we have Gallo and then we already have Julius Randle, it's like some, someone's got to give. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I hear you. But then Randall, maybe we can get him off the bench, right? Because I think everyone's going to agree. We don't want to see that spin move anymore. So how easy do you think that'll be for Tibbs to convince Randall to come off the bench? Because I've thought about that a lot, about how the yeah. next coach will be able to to talk to Randall into maybe doing that. Because anybody watching the team, I think, could agree that's probably the best thing for the team. Without a doubt. Um, I think Tibbs, being who he is, right, having the stature that he does, I think uh, he can definitely convince Randall to come off the bench. But we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. And just so you know, I mean, I'm not a Randall hater because I think he does. He is talented, right? He puts up the numbers, but sometimes he's just not a smart, smart basketball player on the floor. Doesn't make the right decisions. And the guy has abilities. Obviously, he can pass, but he can rebound. He can score, but just has to do it in the right situation, I guess. It's it's so funny. You're like I want to say the fourth per. I, I've had you know I think maybe ten people do this so far. I think you're about the fourth or fifth person who has gone out of their way to say. I, I don't hate Randall. I appreciate what he could do. It's just that, you know, and then you talk about what he did. I think the low, a low key agreed upon opinion for a lot of Knicks fans. And I'm not talking about the loudest voices on Twitter. I'm talking about like real fans who like, you know, watch every, or most games and they know what they're looking at is like, it's not that Randall's terrible. It's just, he's not in the right situation. He wasn't given the proper tools. Um, he needs to be successful. And I, I, I totally agree with you. I think um, the smartest thing they could do would be to, to move him to the bench. I, I hope that he accepts that fact. We'll, you know, we'll see, I guess. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Um, so, uh, yeah. So the other thing I, yeah, yeah. What was the other thing you want to say, please? No, no. Uh, yeah. So I was just going to mention a few things. I know I only have a few minutes with you. So, uh, you know, in terms of like players on the on the roster, RJ, obviously Mitch, we all know those are the cornerstones. Frank, I love Frank. I agree with you on Frank. 
you know, hopefully under Tibbs, you know, he'll become who he's supposed to be, right? He's still going to be that defensive, uh, you know, player. But, uh, you know, he started to turn the corner in terms of his offensive game. So love to see him succeed. Uh, Knox, I don't want to give up on Knox, right? So I know there's a lot of Knox haters out there, but the kid is young. He's 20 years old. He's going to be 21, right? You got to give him some. Got to give him some time. And I know the roster is going to change. They may make a trade or two. It might include him, but if he's still on the roster, I want to see this kid. Do don't well. don't don't sell him for 35 cents on the dollar. That's all. I, that's all I'm asking. <laughs> Without a doubt. And I can tell you, listen, I have my girlfriend here right behind me. She's a Knox hater too. She won't admit it, but she is. <laughs> Spaces out of, <laughs> he spaces out on the floor, and I get it, man. His demeanor's out there. He doesn't look like he's confident, but he has the tools, and I could see him. I could see him doing well in a few years, you know. I I think he will have a relevant a, a relevant NBA. I, I don't want to want to say a moment. I, I think he's gonna have a like he's gonna be a contributor on a team where he's gonna serve a positive purpose. I just don't know if it's gonna be here. I hope it is. I I, I haven't given up that. Right. I haven't given up that. That's funny. My my wife is um she's that way except with Dennis Smith Jr. Um she 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 watches <laughs> yeah. she watches him and like she'll occasionally she'll look up and she'll just be like, "Is it possible he's just not very good?" And I'm like, "Yes, that's that's possible." Um it's very possible. I don't yeah, I don't Unfortunate. know. Because the kid, the kid has talent. Like you know, he can jump out the gym, but just I don't know. It's I I think weird. he he has all the talent in the world, and I think he knows he has all the talent in the world, and I think that's the biggest thing holding him back. But um, what do I know? Um, so um, what are we doing? All right, we're just, it, we're just fans trying to. <laughs> we want to see the team succeed. That's all. <laughs> well, I think they're going to succeed <laughs> next year, um, which is a perfect transition. Uh, I'm going to ask you the same question I've been asking everybody. Um, uh, that has come on so far. I want you to give me a prediction for win total for next season. No, no caveats. No, like, well, if they do this, it's going to be this. I just give me a straight number. What is your What is your prediction? All right. So I'm going to go. I'm going to go 42. How about that? Oh, 42 and 40. We're going to have a winning record. First, first one to give them a winning record. We've had a couple of 40s. Uh, this is the mm-hmm. first one that's over 40. Okay, listen. I'm here for the optimism. You know that. 100%. I'm all about and, uh, it. You know, again, Jonathan, thanks for this opportunity. I mean, one one other thing I'll, I'll touch on, if I can, is sure. uh, the draft, you know. Yeah, draft who do you want to draft? Go for drafting, it. Drafting LaMelo Ball, you know, definitely on board. I think we have to land in the top four, one through four, right? And I know that's difficult, but let's see. Draft time is different this year, right? We're in August. I think it's August 20th now. Uh, the lottery is August 20th, and the, the draft is uh, October 15th. Yeah, the lottery. Yeah, yeah my bad. Yeah, so uh, the lottery, if we can get one through four, you know, maybe he's not there at two and three or three or four, but we can trade up. Six through ten, I'm, I'm on board if Killing Hayes is still there. My second uh, point guard, Tyrese Halliburton. Denny, I like Denny. He brings a lot, I think. Kira or Cole. Um, sorry, you said Okoro? Uh, no, no, Kira Lewis. Oh, Kira Lewis. Cole. Okay, yeah, no, I like I like yeah, Kira's, yeah. Kira too. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I have a funny feeling. Uh, I Jonathan Wasserman had uh, a, a piece for Bleacher Report a couple days ago, in which he talked about how teams aren't as high on Killian Hayes as like you know NBA draft experts seem to be, and I I get that because um, you're you're projecting right. And th- he might not be a kid that's going to help you for a year or two years, which is why, you know, I, 
man, I don't know if he's if he's sitting if the Knicks don't move up and he's sitting there and they can't trade up for Ball. I I wonder what they do. Um, you know, <laughs> it makes me nervous now that I'm thinking about it. Um, all right, this was a lot of fun. Um, I gotta let you go because I got another call, but um, no doubt. Just thank one you. more time, really, thank you so much for contributing to the effort. Um, and keep staying optimistic. I love the 42 in prediction. I'm going to, that's going to get me to sleep at night. Yeah, keep doing what you're doing, Jonathan. Thanks so much. I appreciate, appreciate it. it. Thank you. I'll, I'll talk to you soon. Be well. All right. Take care. Okay. That's the first half of our fundraiser call in episode benefiting Higher Heights for America. Thank you for listening. The second half of this fundraiser pod will be out hopefully tomorrow. Make sure you tune in for that. Once again, thank you to everybody who called into the show. And um, I hope you at home also enjoyed listening to it.